0: So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Recently, my wife Emma and I have begun to try to go to the gym again. A few times a week for the last couple weeks, we have tried to get to bed earlier, set our alarms earlier than normal, and drag ourselves out of bed to get to the gym. Actually, I should say, the true story is that Emma has been waking up and dragging both of us out of bed in the morning. But nevertheless, we make it to the gym, and then we work out, and then we go home. Now, I have to admit, going to the gym is perhaps one of the most disappointing things in life because It works. You would think that going to a big room to expend a lot of energy for uh, about an hour, a few days a week, would make you more tired and exhausted, but really it is the opposite. The practice of regular exercise, provided you're getting adequate rest and food, it ends up making you feel better. It ends up giving you more energy and raising your quality of life. But it'd be so much easier if there were some kind of magic pill or quick technique or special food that would do that instead. If only there were a way to get the benefits of going to the gym without actually having to go to the gym. Unfortunately, that's not the way that life is. Living a healthy life, it ends up having a lot less to do with these magic pills or special secret foods that you see on YouTube and a lot more to do with the same boring advice that we've heard our entire lives. Get regular exercise, adequate sleep, drinking water, eat your vegetables, it all works. And this seems to be true pretty much across the board. Do you want a good clean home? You've gotta wash the dishes and take out the trash. Do you want healthy teeth to avoid cavities? Well. You've got to brush your teeth and floss. Do you want to learn a new language, how to play a new instrument? Well, you have to practice. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the spiritual life is basically the same. We've got these large spiritual moments and commitments in our lives, but ordinarily, real spiritual growth doesn't happen in one moment of spiritual fervor but instead through a life of regular practice. In our Old Testament reading today, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. Now he's been speaking for a very long time. This is his third very long speech in the book of Deuteronomy, where he's been telling anew to Israel the law which they're obligated to follow. And today in our reading, we get to tune in to his conclusion. This is his conclusion. Israel has a choice. Will they live lives in obedience or in disobedience? Will they choose blessing or curse? In other words, what will they choose to practice in their lives? If they practice uh, practice obedience, growing in their understanding and submission to the law, they will receive blessings, life. But if they cultivate lives of disobedience, going astray from the path and following other gods, they will receive curse, death. So Moses exhorts them, choose life, love the Lord your God, obey him, hold fast to him. For Moses, this path of life is not a one-time choice. But a life lived in obedience, a choice once and then again and again and again. And this life is very clearly laid out for Israel in the Mosaic law. It becomes their kind of how-to manual for how to receive blessing and live in the land which they were promised. And it's straightforward. Obey the law, receive blessing. Disobey and receive curse. But in our Gospel reading for today, Jesus seems to complicate things. We find ourselves in our Gospel reading in the middle of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, and it's a very similar place as we were in our Old Testament reading. Yet again, there's a man, he's on a mountain, and he's giving instructions. Jesus is pictured here as a new Moses delivering a new law, but this time, Jesus takes those instructions, which were found in the law, things like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, and he makes them harder. Instead of just making sure to not murder or physically harm other people, now a person has to make sure that they don't hold anger against another person. Instead of making sure uh, you don't actually go through with committing adultery, Now you need to make sure that you don't fantasize or lust after other people, or you've committed adultery in your heart. Instead of simply not lying. Now, you must be careful to ensure that your yes would be yes, and your no would be no. In other words, what matters is not just the actions you actually follow through with, but the intentions with which you do them. What must change is not just how you treat other people, but how you think about them too. In saying all of this, Jesus gives us a glimpse of the true reality of what it means to follow his summary of the law, that is, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. This command demonstrates the reality. We don't just want others to treat us well, we long for them to like us, even love us, and we should show the same to other people. But if we're honest with ourselves, we are going to have to eventually acknowledge the fact that we frequently fail to follow Jesus's commands. We do hold on to anger. We do lust after and objectify others. We do fail to perfectly tell the truth. So what are we to do? And it's here that we find the wonderful reality that the New Testament describes for us. The standard set before us is something we will fail to keep, but in the midst of our failures, in the confession of our sins, and the plea to God for mercy, we find grace. Despite our myriad failures, God is quick to forgive. And so an integral part Indeed, a starting point of our spiritual practice is the consistent confession and acknowledgement of our sins. And when we acknowledge and confess our sins, we find that God is quick to forgive them. Now, as a church, we are quickly approaching the season of Lent. Traditionally, today would actually be known as Sexagesima Sunday, What it refers to is the fact that this is the second Sunday before Lent. Last week would have been called Septuagesima, and next week would be called Quinquagesima. These Sundays were intended as reminders. Lent is coming soon. While we have since removed these observances from our calendars, it's very useful for us to also remember on these Sundays. Lent is coming soon. And I kind of see Lent as being like starting to go to the gym again. It's not as glamorous or fun as feasts like Easter or Christmas, but it's a time to begin to kind of work out your spiritual life. It's a time to confess your sins and for a little while to practice some Lenten disciplines. You see, we do things like fasting, spending a little extra time in prayer, going to confession, And while they're not always easy or pleasurable, they are practice for the spiritual life, aids in our growth. But what I especially love about Lent, and what I think uh, we should think about as we prepare for it, is that it represents two seemingly contradictory realities, realities that are present in our passage for passages for today. First, It represents a season of increased spiritual discipline. We are to exercise our spiritual muscles, if you will, and take extra time in prayer and set aside things that we don't actually have to set aside, that is fasting, in order to exercise our own self-control. We strive to grow in our obedience to these things which we've heard Jesus say. It's a time of, like the image used by the Apostle Paul in our epistle reading, Of planting and watering. In that sense, Lent is a season of preparing for and seeking growth. A time when we strive to move from needing that spiritual milk to being ready for that spiritual meat. But it also represents a different reality. And that's the reality that we have failed and likely will fail. We fail to live up to the standards God has set out for us. And so during Lent, we also focus on taking stock of and confessing our sins and committing to starting anew. So simultaneously, Lent represents our obligation to commit to our spiritual growth, but it also represents God's unending mercy. But there's one more thing to be observed about Lent. It's not something that we do alone. If you've ever tried to build a gym habit or any other kind of habit, you'll know that it's infinitely easier to do it with others. After all, like I mentioned, it's actually Emma who has to drag me out of bed or I probably wouldn't even be going to the gym and I wouldn't have a sermon illustration for today. But Lent is not just an individual of devotion. It's a journey we embark upon together. We fast together. We confess our sins together. We prepare together as the whole church to celebrate the infinite mercy, love, and majesty of Christ at the feast of his resurrection. So over the next two weeks, as we are preparing for Lent, let us take some time to take stock of our own spiritual lives, to consider what disciplines we would like to implement, or what things we might want to fast from. And in doing so, we can be confident that, as the Apostle Paul says in our epistle reading, that while we do this spiritual work, God alone will give us the growth. And let us also take stock of the ways in which we've failed. Be sure to confess them, maybe even go to confession. But then finally, let us step together into the reality which we find from Lent until Easter, the reality of God's unending mercy. Amen.